1: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to, to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Four to Six AM, Your Ohio State Podcast on the Athletic. Bill Landis with Ari Wasserman and Ari, we have a schedule to talk about. I don't. I wasn't uh, totally confident we'd get to this point, but here we are on August fifth. We have a football schedule that might get played. And we're going to pretend like it's all going to happen like they originally planned and discuss it in depth and dissect every little bit of it. And then like three weeks from now, maybe they'll tell us we're changing it again. But for now, here we are. Ohio State's got a 2020
0: schedule. Today is the day where we pretend Corona doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. But I think uh, my favorite... In the podcast realm, talking yeah. about football, we're not going to talk about Corona. We're going to pretend like this is absolutely happening. Um, this schedule is super exciting, in my opinion. I know it, it kind of... Stinks losing the Oregon game and non conference games can be fun, but for the most part we get to uh you know bypass the bullshit and get right into it. So I am uh looking forward to this discussion.
2: Yeah, for the uh the, the Twitter the Twitter uh they're not gonna play anyway, guy. Like we know. We we get it. It's it's, we it's understood it. <laughs> in all this, we know. But we're gonna But
0: we are rooting for sports <laughs> and we are rooting against the virus. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna And we want to yeah. do that by talking football
2: we're gonna we're gonna bathe in the schedule for a little bit Ari. what were you doing in 1942
0: <laughs> what were you doing in 1942 bill uh n- uh
2: there nothing nothing there was a there was a bill landis running around philadelphia uh my grandfather
0: but see i don't have the name lineage so like i was nothing like you there was a dollar B running around somewhere in the 40s there was no there was no Ari was i'm the yet. fourth
2: dollar dollar B, the fourth
0: <laughs> but that was uh, very just, that's what i so much admire about you this the ability to do research like if you didn't exist and i had to write the um schedule breakdown that you did for the big 10 schedule um, release for ohio state i would not have like made that point about the 1942 stuff so why don't you go ahead and go into
2: it so before we dive in should we should we give people who uh maybe didn't read the schedule yet what exactly it is just quickly
0: yeah, just rattle off the schedule. Okay, Ohio
2: State opens September 3rd against Illinois, which is uh, two days earlier than the original start date. Then it's Rutgers at home at Purdue, which is a new addition. We'll talk about that. Indiana at home, a bye week or an off week, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Nebraska at home at Michigan State. Michigan at home on October 24th, which is what we're alluding to here with the 1942 thing. Uh, at Maryland, at Penn State another off week and then they close last game of the regular season against Iowa. And then there's an off week after that. And there's some stuff built in for the big 10 championship. Like they gave themselves till December 19th, which is my birthday to play the big 10 championship in Indianapolis. But 1942 is the last time that Ohio state's last regular season game was against someone other than Michigan. It It has been Ohio state's final regular season game, Every year since nineteen thirty three, with the exception or nineteen thirty five, with the exception of that nineteen forty two season, which was like a weird year. It was like the World War II effort was ramped up across the country. Some schools weren't playing, other schools had like military service academies that fielded football teams, and the Big Ten changed the schedule around a little bit. So Iowa or High State's last game that year was against the Iowa Pre Flight Academy Seahawks football powerhouse we've all come to know and love Uh, they also won a national championship that year so if you're mad about ohio state not playing michigan in the last game of november remember the last time it happened ohio state won a national title but and they also finished with iowa then too a school from iowa yes the parallels i mean they're endless between this season and 1942 ohio (laughs) state's going to play out of the single wing this year uh
0: i mean they basically did a few times in the past 10 years yeah (laughs) yeah, that's
2: true yeah Ohio State-Michigan already on October 24th. How are you feeling about it?
0: You know, I I had a feeling that they were going to move up the Michigan game. The thing I don't understand, and and maybe you can put me in check here, is that if you're going to move it up with the assumption that we get to October 24th on the schedule, then why not just leave it last? Like, if you think that they're going to play Iowa at the end of the year, then, you know, put Michigan last. Now I see that there's two open weeks after the Michigan game so maybe that gives them some room to maneuver but like I'm just a little disappointed that they didn't move the most marquee games up closer. And you know that was our thing from the beginning. I think we did a podcast on June saying that Ohio State should open up with Michigan and to me it's just like you know I know there's two two sides of the coin with that. One side is play the game early, get super excited for the next um, few weeks as we go into the season and, and have an idea of like who Ohio State's going to play and love it. Like, the best thing to get over the coronal sports situation would be to look forward to the Michigan game as the opener. But I also understand the fans, too, that A, love tradition, and B, like it to be the culmination of a year so that you are what you are when that game is played. Um, and those things make sense. But, like, to me, it's just why do it in the middle there? I, I just... I, I, if you're going to move it i would just moved it up to the end of or the, the beginning of october or the end of september at the very earliest but to me it should be the opener it's kind of a weird thing like i we we talked
2: about that moving it up because you want if if you're fearful that things are going to get canceled you want to get your your best uh television inventory i guess early on the calendar and give yourself early on the calendar give yourself the best chance of playing that or, or even just front load with division games so that you can at least determine division championships in the event that you could somehow play a conference title game later in the year. And they didn't even do that. Like the first week of the season, everyone's playing a crossover game. Everyone in the East plays plays someone from the West in week one, and in the last week. I'm not totally sure why they did it that way, but uh, moving Michigan to the middle makes some sense to me. Like in the name of flexibility, if, if you look at the way they they scheduled this, they basically arranged it so that if anything happens in the first four, this is for Ohio State schedule if anything happens in the first four weeks where you can't play, there's the fifth week open and you can just sort of fold that game into that week and then the same thing is true with the next five games, there's another bye week um, in the second week of November where you could fold all those games into so I guess I get the idea on some level that if you are operating under the assumption that every game comes with some risk that it's not going to be played on the day that you schedule it and you still put Ohio State and Michigan in its traditional late November time slot, then you're leaving yourself open to the idea that like Ohio State and Michigan are going to have to play in December. And there are openings to play. The last weekend of the regular season, the 28th, which is when that game's normally played, is now open for everybody. So if you were to play to the 21st and you had to move it, I guess you could move back to the 28th. But there's no saying that you wouldn't have to move back to December 5th or the weekend after that. Um, Can I ask I'd a stupid question while you're talking December. about this?
0: Sure. Let me ask you this. Why does the game have to be played on Saturday? What do you want to play it on, a Tuesday? Well, Whatever day it would make sense in the event that we had to change it. Like, Iowa is scheduled for November 21st, so if you put the Michigan game there and for whatever reason it didn't play, you still have plenty of opportunity. You don't have to go seven-day increments. You can play it whenever it makes sense at the earliest. So if the last day of November is a Thursday, then play it on a Thursday. Like, what, what does it matter?
2: I don't know. It's a weird schedule. I don't know if you can. I don't think you can adjust days of the week like that on the fly.
0: Just for the yeah, I don't know. I don't know with the TV stuff and all. I know it's no. It's not even TV stuff.
2: It's like health and safety of players and preparation and all that stuff. Like to to decide to decide in like the middle of October that now you're going to play the Michigan game on Thursday. Like in in terms of flexibility, I don't think works that way.
0: I I it doesn't work that way in the middle of the season. But why couldn't it work that way if it's the last game of the year that gets delayed? Like, you'd have more time, if nothing else. I'm not saying, like, just do it on the fly for the Nebraska and Michigan State games that are played at the beginning of – or in the middle of October because you can't do that because you have games behind it. But if you scheduled Michigan for the last game of the year and it didn't pan out on the 21st for whatever reason and then people are healthy on the 25th or 27th or whatever the reason is, then you could play the last game on a weekday before the hypothetical Big Ten championship game. You could, like – the.
2: the way they schedule this and it makes sense to me is shows that they're worried about about whatever it's a second wave of the virus or whatever happening in in like mid to late november which i think is if you read some of the stuff about this is is some of the things you you encounter the last week of the season is all crossover games if you lose those you can still determine division champions and not feel a strong impetus to remake those games before you were to play a conference title game so I think that's another part of the reason why it moved up. Now, the West is playing division division games. It's kind of weird. All of the East is off in the second week of November, but the West is playing division games. Everyone but – and that's kind of a strange thing. Everyone but Illinois is playing that week in the West.
0: And looking at the grid now, yeah, and the Northwestern is the only team that has a bye week in the middle of October to, so like, balance it out. But, you know, I think that makes sense. Uh, I I don't care that the Michigan game isn't the last game of the year. I'm not somebody who would get worked up over something like that. Um, and, like, to me, the only thing that kind of stinks is that if we're talking about um, Ohio State's schedule specifically, we're in a world where the season could get canceled and their first four games are Illinois Rutgers, Purdue, and Indiana. It's like, that sucks. Yeah, Yeah. And Purdue will be interesting. We'll make that point, you know. Made a joke on Twitter that 2020 wasn't bad enough for Ohio State fans, and all of a sudden that Purdue shows up on their schedule. Yeah. Um, but you know, all kidding aside, no fans, um, functional X's and O's coach. Um, that game doesn't, and shouldn't scare Ohio State fans. Um, it's not that interesting. Like you have to wait till what mid mid October till they play Nebraska at home before this to be even a a questionable game. Like it.
2: Oh well, I mean, I think Indiana is better than Nebraska. Um, oh, yeah, you sent me a little uh, Indiana love, huh? If I if I were to, before we got this schedule, if I were picking conference finishes, I would have gave serious thought, I think, to the idea of Indiana finishing third in the Big Ten East. Now that Indiana has to play Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State in September, I don't think I would do that, but uh, I do like Indiana's makeup. I'm not saying, like, look out for Indiana Heights that's going to lose, but um, if you're ranking the teams on its schedule, Illinois is probably fourth. The fourth best team, Ohio State, will play this year. So, what would you
0: do, Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana, in your hypothetical rankings, or who would you put?
2: Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana. Just to twist the twist the knife a little bit into Michigan fans that, you, that love you so much.
0: You're a, hey, by the way, ever since I made that promise, I backed off. Kind of.
2: You were you no, were mixing you were mixing it up that day. You just weren't as as uh, as combative, but you were having discussions, which is a different thing.
0: Yeah, no, I I told Bill that I'm no longer going to have Twitter meltdowns and freak out when people challenge me or disrespect me, and I'm going to try to, like, become even keel like he is. Um, And so far, it's been good. And I think part of the reason why is I've also made a vow to not talk about Michigan recruiting anymore. (laughs) Because if you don't – (laughs) if Rocco Spindler is going to Notre Dame next week probably, so then we'll we'll revisit it when that happens. But – Speaking, yeah, of, a uh, life. speaking of speaking of Michigan
2: recruiting, did you see uh, that one kid they lost because he wore cleats in the kitchen, and then the, uh, the other I kid did. they lost because Jim Harbaugh won't go visit the school that turns out the most talent that's within like ten miles of his college?
0: Yeah, I, but that's like the none of my business stuff anymore. <laughs> like, I I mean the writing's on the wall. I mean it's like it drives me crazy. People know what I think. I think Michigan could be better. I think they could recruit better. But for whatever reason, the fans um, don't agree with me. So uh, anyway, back to the schedule.
2: Does this um. The, the idea that Ohio State and Michigan are going to be playing basically in the middle of the year or closer to the middle of the year, obviously, than normal. And what you said earlier about when, when traditionally when you get to that game, we sort of know what these teams are. Does it make you think any differently about how that game might play I'm out? I'm not saying, like, does it put Ohio State on alert to lose, but we've seen the, the gap between these two teams, the last two years specifically. Um, does it make you think any differently about how – how the game might go relative to the last two years, given that neither of these teams will sort of be a finished product when they play each other.
0: I'm sure we'll see a bunch of stories about, like, Ohio State still has Penn State and Iowa on the schedule after Michigan. Could they be looking ahead, or could their heads be elsewhere or not 100% focused on Michigan? And it's just like ever since the Big Ten championship became a thing, like, to me, it doesn't really change much. Like, they've always had something bigger – um, after Michigan in, in the Urban Meyer era in last year um, because the Big Ten championship was on the line in another game. So, to me, I don't really think it changes all that much. I'm a very black-and-white person when it comes to this sort of thing, and Ohio State dwarfs Michigan with talent and has had their number in this game. And, you know, the fact that it's home, I don't know that that matters much without a crowd. But, um, no, it really doesn't. What about you? Um no i
2: don't think so maybe i'd feel differently like if ohio state had like a new quarterback or something like that um but i think we have a pretty good idea of what ohio state's going to be there are some questions on defense i have i have far more questions about michigan's going to be and if anything it might give me more pause on their ability to keep it close because i think they're gonna have to figure some stuff out on the fly here especially a quarterback so i don't know if i feel feel all that differently about it either um It'll be interesting to see, though. Like, there's, there's, it's, it's a weird dynamic for Ohio State because we we know that both programs look at this game a little differently. And Ohio State put out a tweet earlier on on Tuesday where it changed its clock countdown clock inside the facility, and it, they have Michigan practice periods like every day or at least at, at least every week throughout the season. And, like, are they going to do that after they play Michigan? Like when they're getting ready to play? Penn State on November 7th, is there going to be a team up north period during practice that week? Or are they going to have, like, there's a, it's kind of a small consideration, I guess, but there are a lot of traditional things that Ohio State does with relative to that game that get changed because that game's getting played in the middle of the year now. And it's such an important benchmark in the season. It's a thing they look forward to all year. Justin Fields was on a conference call on Monday and someone asked him, like, what are the goals for the year? And he said the same thing that everyone always says and the first thing he said was beat Michigan. And then he said win a Big Ten championship and a national championship. And it's like, is there an opening for some kind of letdown to happen after that game because it's always the most important thing on the schedule and now it's happening smack in the middle of the season instead of at the end?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that it's possible. Um, I don't know if Maryland is going to be able to field a team the following week with yeah. the schedule that they got. Um, Maryland and Indiana got completely screwed. <laughs> I don't know if there was, uh, you know, bad blood in the program or whatever, but the fact that they played Penn State two weeks later maybe, and Iowa, you know – is a tough game to close with too So like, I, like Ohio State's schedule is completely backloaded, um, And the fact that like I don't know how we feel Like if we think Indiana's better than Nebraska And I'll take your X's and O's word for it on that um, I don't think Michigan State's Going to have it this year Like Michigan might be their first big game of the year Like in terms of like a team that could actually Potentially beat them like in a world Of you know talent um, That's kind of tough because at least in the past, when Ohio State plays Michigan, they've played a really good team before them every year. They always play Penn State first. They've had some kind of like tune-up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like if that's the biggest game of their season and the first time they play one of those games that could make a fan nervous before it, you know, I think that that changes the dynamic of it. But the thing about it, Bill, is that I don't think Michigan is talented enough right now, and we'll see when the um, blue-chip ratios and the um team composite ranking talent rankings on 247 get released but i don't think michigan is going to be nearly as talented as they were last year like they're like i think that the gap got wider from last year and last year it wasn't even close so like to me until they show that they're even worthy of competing in that game i'm not just going to give them the benefit of the doubt because of their logo and the history because it's like they're not the same team that they used to play anymore
2: they got winged helmets though man it is a uh... The three best, <clears throat> three best teams on Ohio State's schedule are Penn State, Michigan, and probably Iowa. And they play, right now anyway, they're scheduled to play Penn State and Iowa after they play Michigan. It is, I, I hadn't thought of that. The idea, I mean, they play Michigan State, which, I, who knows, it's on the road. It got weird there when D'Antonio was a coach. I don't know about Mel Tucker. Um, and they, they got a lot of rebuilding to do there, I think, but. Yeah, outside of Indiana, and who knows what's going to happen at Purdue. We'll talk about that next. Uh,
0: How much stock do you put into the schedule in terms of home and away if there are no fans? Do you think that the travel burden is like a big deal, or do you think it's just like this is when talent's going to matter the most? Uh,
2: I think it might matter early because um, I don't know what travel's going to look like yet. Like, are guys going to bus if they're close enough? Are they going to fly in the same day and fly out and not stay in a hotel? Like, I think there will be some kind of acclimation period to new travel procedures that happen early in the season that might impact that, but like Ohio State's first road games at Illinois. So um, I think by the time it goes back on the road against Purdue, it won't be as weird, and by the middle of the season, I don't think it'll matter. If any, like it makes it, you go to Penn State with no fans. Like I did a thing with Audrey Snyder, We talked about the talent discrepancy between Ohio State and Penn State, and I said if you're playing at Beaver Stadium with no fans, you might as well play at you know, Southern Columbia High School where Julian Fleming went because it's about the same thing. There's just no, there's no atmosphere. It's about who's better, and Ohio State's better yeah. than everyone.
0: <laughs> It'll be interesting to see um, busing because like if they could they bust to Rutgers in week two. No, I don't think they do that. Um, <clears throat> like produce four and a half hours. That. Produce.
2: <laughs> I've I've done it. Yeah, you can hit the uh, the PA turnpike. Roy Rogers is nice in the middle. Get nice, oh my
0: god, that fish sandwich. <laughs> you know, I don't want to like betray anybody here, but that fish sandwich at Roy Rogers gets it done too. Oh, you know. Well i think that was mcdonald's asking
2: for its bucket hat hat back <laughs> uh no i don't think they'll bust to uh i guess their farthest road game is maryland and that's like a seven hour drive i don't think they wouldn't do that but i think it's reasonable to bus to purdue if you wanted to do that or bust to michigan state if you wanted to do that maybe not penn state it's kind of far too plus the mountains and it's going to be in november it's gonna be freezing uh, let's talk about Purdue. Purdue gets added to the schedule. Ohio State. The one thing that it did avoid is it doesn't play Wisconsin. It doesn't play Minnesota. It plays Iowa, which will probably be top half of the the West. But it gets Iowa at home. It gets Nebraska at home, and then it gets Illinois and Purdue, which will probably be the teams that finish f- sixth and seventh in the Big Ten West. But Ohio State. And I like I knew this, but even like reading it, it still blew my mind. Ohio State is three and five at Ross Aid Stadium since two thousand. Dude, the Boilers know
0: how to boil her up, man. It's just a very bizarre stat, but it's a bizarre stat because uh, it's not just so much about um, the wins and losses. It's like how bizarre every single one of those seasons were, and the teams that they were when they lost there. It's like every single time Ohio State's been dysfunctional or vulnerable, um, they've played at Purdue that year and lost. And then, of course, Purdue has – you know what happened last time. I mean, they've they've been a thorn in the side. And I don't really understand this, but this has kind of been a thing with Ohio State my entire life. But, like, certain teams, regardless of whether or not they are talented enough to compete with Ohio State, seem to have their number – or at least play unreasonably close games all the time. And, like, I don't know what the science behind that is. Is it a coach that knows how to X's and O's it better or or what it is? But it's like, why is Purdue any different than looking at Indiana on the schedule right now? Because, like, they have really good skill talent. You know, Rondale Moore is legit. And, you know, they've recruited a little bit better in the past few years. But, like, Purdue shouldn't even be viewed as a threat. And it's like... We're isolating it now uh, in this conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, on paper, it's not a threat until you until you realize that Ohio State's lost five of the last eight times they played there, which <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Uh, it is a fun kind of early matchup, I think. Though, like, I don't. Purdue is is not as good, I think, as it was in 2018 when when they beat Ohio State was a 49 to 20. Um, that was my first game covering Ohio State for the athletic. By the way, sorry that I uh, jinxed them. The Receiver talent at Purdue with Rondell Moore and David Bell is probably the best Ohio State's going to see all year. And it's the third game of the year, and Ohio State's got some, not question marks, but new guys playing in the secondary in addition to a scheme that we're not totally sure what kind of form it's going to take just yet. And I, I think we're at least have the opportunity to learn a little bit about the back end of Ohio State's defense in that game against a couple of really good receivers and Rondell Moore and David Bell.
0: Yeah, just a matter of whether or not they can scheme up this time. And, you know, your favorite assistant's no longer on the staff anymore. Um, And, you know, I don't know. No fans. Past experience. Maybe circled on the calendar. Very good X's and O's staff. Like, I don't view this as any sort of threat.
2: Will Ohio State attempt to cover Rondell Moore with a safety... Who's playing 15 yards off the line of scrimmage? Yes. I sincerely hope that's not the case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm surprised you used that. That uh, that was a funny um, defensive snapshot that you used against Maryland uh, a few years ago. And it's just like that defense just wasn't very good. You know, the players were fine. Year.
2: And, and some of them were yeah. very good. It was, it was like the structure of it. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. You're asking yourself to get torched by anybody with. Like, decent speed. And that's what happened with Rondell Moore and Anthony McFarland. And they almost lost twice.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, well, the Maryland game, they basically did lose. And I don't know. Which game would have been a bigger upset? Like, I feel like losing to Maryland that year would be, would have been worse than losing to Purdue.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, because it would have, like, it, I guess in a vacuum, uh, I don't know. They both would have been pretty bad. But to lose to Maryland, giving up 50-something points on the back of – they gave up fifty
0: points at Maryland.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the guy and the two point. Well, at the end was, of the Purdue game, up.
0: they just quit too.
2: Yeah, that was bizarre. The fourth quarter of the Purdue game, like I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a team going through the motions more than Ohio State was in the fourth quarter of that Purdue game.
0: Yeah, we were walking down the stands to the press box, and we couldn't see the field. But um, I think Ohio State was already down by like fourteen at that point, and they scored like Rondale Moore scored another touchdown. It didn't. We didn't see it because what we heard was roar as we were going down. Do you remember this?
2: Yeah.
0: And then I saw the replay later, and was like, "Were they even trying to tackle him on that play?" <laughs> yeah,
2: that was not uh, a yeah, certainly not Ohio State's best day. And I don't like, like I said, I don't think Purdue is quite built for that. And second, secondly, Ohio State is built better to contend against something like that. But I am excited. I, I if that game happens when it's supposed to happen, I'm glad after we get to watch Ohio State sleepwalk through Illinois and Rutgers in the first two games of the year, that we might get to learn a little bit of something about how good at least Ohio State's secondary is when it plays Purdue. Or maybe Can't wait, or maybe they'll win fifty to nothing.
0: I don't know. I think they're probably gonna win fifty to nothing.
2: The old Purdue Indiana double dip there at the end of September. Yeah, you don't get through that state without a little bumps and bruises, I'll tell you that That's much. Right. You know uh I wonder if they'll go to warm glow on the way back. From Purdue. Have you gone in there yet? The I've gone in there. You've gone in there. Yeah, I've been in there. Yeah. I have not. I've not gone in there.
0: They they advertise uh, the cleanest bathrooms on the interstate. Yeah, and I used them. It was amazing. <laughs> it's definitely like one of those places, and I don't know how you are. I think you and I are similar in this, but in the fall in Ohio, when the leaves are changing, and you know you're getting close to Thanksgiving, and things turn pumpkiny, and the you know weather starts getting into the brisk fifties. There is no better feeling in the world, at least to me, than opening up the windows on a Sunday after working a long day covering Ohio State, getting a fresh pie on the way, turning on the NFL, and lighting a few candles. Like, to me, that is like my version of heaven. And like maybe taking a, a little cat nap um, in the first quarter of the four o'clock games, you know, because you're so pulverized from the carbohydrate overload. <laughs> Um, and warm glow when you go in there is like the store that sells that feeling because it's like very, very, dude, I better get some candles in the mail after that. But like, it's a very like cozy fall feeling that, and you know, it's like, I always like think about fall and where I'd want to be. And it's like warm glows the place. I think plus I've got a great candle, uh, fixture on the side of the highway.
2: Yeah. It's a, the building's a giant candle. It's great. Yeah. Um, there are um, I don't know, approximately a million stories about the Big Ten schedule on the Athletic. Uh, Nicole Auerbeck has like an overview of the whole thing and the reasoning behind it, some of the medical protocols, which we haven't touched on, but are obviously very important in this, how they're going to operate, um, including testing procedures and um, quarantine protocols and all that stuff. Uh, you can read that on the Athletic. There's a schedule, individual schedule breakdown for every team, right? For every team. We do one for every team. Every team. Every team uh also there if you are not subscribed to the athletic and you want to read any of that the athletic.com slash four dash six will get you 40 percent off an annual subscription and while um shilling the place we work for i will also ask that you please subscribe rate and review uh this podcast wherever you find podcasts a couple five-star reviews on apple podcasts would be nice we got a couple
0: we could do some more
2: it's always nice when you log on there and you see a fresh five-star
0: yeah, give us a five star and comment on Bill Landis' fresh haircut so we know you heard me.
2: They can't see it, but it, you know, it's, it's
0: fresh. It looks pretty it's pretty good. It's uh, the toughest fate yeah. in the Midwest.
2: It is the toughest fate in the Midwest. All right, uh, one more note. I think on the schedule before we move on to some other stuff. And I'd always feel silly asking this because Ohio State's is so much better than basically everyone it plays. Is there any stretch in this schedule that? Gives you a little pause about maybe how difficult it might be to navigate it. I don't know if there was one originally. Like, they were supposed to play Michigan State and Penn State on the road back to back in October in the original schedule, and all that got reworked. As you look at this now, like, I don't know, the idea of Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State in four weeks with no bye, they play Maryland in that stretch too. Like, does that do anything for you in terms of, of maybe being difficult for Ohio State?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first. Half of the schedule is a joke, and you know I don't know what Michigan State's going to look like, but I think that Michigan State, Michigan, Maryland, Penn State, and Iowa is a tough stretch. And I think closing off, closing out the season at Iowa with Michigan and Penn State already in the in the rear view, if they're fortunate enough to win those games, like Iowa might be like one of those sneaky tough games at the end of the year where you kind of feel like you're at the finish line, um, and it could maybe be a little bit tougher, but that game's at home. Um, you know, I don't know. The only games that would scare me are usually the individual games and the individual games that always, you know, kind of pop up are the obvious ones. But, you know, Penn State on the road with no fans um, is a talent contest. And, you know, really if we're taking fans out of the equation in all these places, it's always a talent con. I mean, I think Ohio State's going to go undefeated.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I thought that before, and I am not changed my mind on that now. Um, this is happening as we're talking, and I, and I don't want to jump into too many specifics, but I feel like it's worth noting. I think a lot of people saw the Big Ten or Pac-12 players sort of put out a, a, a unified proposal to the league and, and some of the demands they had if they were going to play. Uh, Big Ten players have done the same. And uh, Lamont Wade, I saw, tweeted out, but there's also a, an article on the Players' Tribune if you want to read that. Um, it's a lot of health and safety protocols that, that they're interested in um, in terms of frequency of testing, um, medical care, obviously red shirting rules if a player has to, has to cancel. There's an interesting one on there about giving families access to big 10 network because they're not going to be able to travel and not everyone lives in the big 10 footprint to get it under television, which is not something I would, uh, consider automatically. I don't see anything in here about revenue sharing, which was a big part of the PAC 12, um, proposal and something that got kind of mocked a little bit because it was kind of a pie-in-the-sky request, but the, the Big Ten players are, are making their voices heard too, and that's something that Justin Fields alluded to when we spoke on Monday, the idea that the Big Ten players saw that and, and were, I think, inspired to try to do something similar. I think it's good. I like that these guys are, are making their voices heard. I, I've thought all along in all this that while people like you and me argue about what's going to happen and what should happen and administrators are making decisions, that the players' voices have been lost and, and their voices, I think, are most important because they're the ones putting their, their bodies on the line to, to potentially play a football season in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Yeah, I think it's always been kind of strange of like, what does uh, Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis think about the prospect of playing games? Like, what does Justin Fields think? Right. You know, he's the one that's got to put his body on the line. And like, I don't know. One mentor of mine um, always told this to me, um, and he knows who he is if he's listening, and he probably is because he's an Ohio State fan. Ironically enough, though he doesn't cover Ohio State, um, was to use leverage in life when you have it because you don't usually have it. Um, and right now, this there's no bigger, better time for players to use it. So I'm always um, in the corner of people fighting for what they think they deserve, um, whether that's a football player or a journalist or a person who works at a you know fast food place. You know, I think everybody should be entitled to. Um, you know, working and, and, and achieving what they want to achieve. And this is the perfect opportunity for them to do it. And I think if you think they're selfish or arrogant or wrong, then you need to check yourself because this is about what's right to them. And as a team uh, that you root for, you should want to stand behind the players that you, you love and show up for every Saturday.
2: We spoke with the seven new captains for Ohio State on Monday, Justin Fields, uh, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, Justin Hilliard, Jonathan Cooper, sean wade and tough borland and all of them said they want to play that they will play this year if there's a season but they don't speak for everyone on their team they certainly don't speak for everyone across the country but i but i do believe that probably the majority and large majority of players want to play provided that it's safe um, and the idea that you would want some kind of say in what makes it safe uh, makes total sense to me like i I feel like too often we dismiss these players as like oh they don't know what they're talking about they probably know better than most of us what they're talking about like what who are you and I to say like what makes sense for a college football season? We're not doctors. One, um, two. We're, we're we love the sport. We watch it all the time. We write about it, but we're not experts on the day to day operations of what needs to happen for a football season to occur. And, and these guys are. So I think I think we should listen to them. And, and maybe some of their demands, if you want to call them that, might get dismissed as as being too ambitious. But I think it makes sense. That's like the thing when you're in labor negotiations, right? You shoot for the moon and as a starting point, and then. Hopefully you get most of what you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like we wouldn't want college football players telling us how to travel, you know, or how to, you know, operate in this time and I don't want to tell them like what they think should be safe or how they feel about it. So, and and anything like really when it comes to like demands on safety, if they're the ones who are putting their bodies on the line and risking it, I think all those proposals should be met without any question. Like this is about safety and how they feel safe, if nothing else. Um, if we're not talking even about compensation right now, I think the bare minimum that the big 10 and every other power five conference or every conference in college football could do is make sure that their unpaid labor feels safe. And some of the things that are in
2: this big 10 players proposal um, are are one already happening or are happening on some level. Um, and they seem reasonable. They all, they all seem very reasonable to, to implement in, in relatively short order. So, um, I don't think it's anything crazy, but it does underscore the fact that like some of these guys aren't going to play. We've seen that uh, uh, in other leagues and there's a report out that Micah Parsons of Penn State's not going to play this year. He's going to be a, probably a top 10 draft pick. Um, and I think that makes sense too. If you're, if you're a guy who's going to get drafted, you want to protect yourself and not play makes total sense to me. If you're a guy who's just not comfortable playing in a pandemic where they can take every measure they can think of to ensure your safety, but they can't guarantee it fully. And you're not comfortable with that makes sense to me, especially when you're not getting paid to do it. Um as of yet, it hasn't impacted Ohio State. That's not to say it won't, but I think the two guys that come front of mind when you think about that are Justin Fields and Sean Wade, the two guys most likely to be first round picks. Justin Fields a very high first round pick next spring. Both of them said right now they plan on playing. And I guess you take them at their word, but I, I would also say, and you and I were talking about this Ari, like it makes sense to me, if I'm in their shoes, to feel very comfortable with what's happening at Ohio State. I think Ohio State's done a pretty good job of this. I know they had the postpone workouts for a bit, um, but that wasn't because of an outbreak. I think it was out of an abundance of caution. And otherwise, you have a lot of reasons to feel good about what Ohio State's done. They're getting tested twice a week. All those guys said they feel comfortable on the call on Monday, and I believe them. But that changes once students come back to campus. It gets just harder to manage that. And when you leave your facility to go play somebody else and you have to trust that that other team is doing the same thing. And that becomes part of the decision-making process. So I, I don't know. I'm not trying to get all doom and gloom, but I think it's important to remind people of the reality that perhaps when Ohio State hopefully opens its season on September 3rd against Illinois, that someone you're expecting to be part of this team might not play.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, Micah Parsons um, from Penn State has already announced that he's opting out. Uh, Bateman from Minnesota is opting out. Um, And, you know, I I like to think that if you're going to start training camp, um, which is starting on Thursday, August 6th, for Ohio State, that you already took those things into account. You know, I, I don't know if you would start practicing and putting yourself in danger at any rate. If you... Um, plan on opting out so maybe in the next 24 hours 48 hours or maybe even the next week to be conservative we'll get an answer on some of those things Um, but you know I I think that you know we're kind of guiding this conversation to like what we think about Ohio State's best players and that means Justin Fields and you know on the call that you were on with Ryan Day yesterday he was pretty candid about it and and I'll let you tell uh, everybody what he said and then we can discuss it because you were on the call what Ryan Day said uh, what Fields said, because I listened to the call too, and it was uh, I thought very. Oh, his
2: reasoning for not for not opting his out. His reasoning this point. for not yeah. opting out. Right. Yeah, he made the good point of people's financial situations, and and that being a motivating factor, and the idea that you know maybe your family's in a different place, and and this kind of money is life changing for most people on some level, but it can certainly be more life changing for others. Um, than it is for someone who maybe grew up with with some more resources um, or a little better family situation and justin fields basically said like he's fortunate to come from from a family where he doesn't feel um that that strong of an urge to like go get the money right now and and that's not to say it's the only motivation for guys who are opting out because health and safety is is another one too but it's an important consideration to to take into account i think the idea that not everyone's just looking at the dollar signs immediately and doing whatever they can to get to that as quickly um, and as safely as, as possible. And that's kind of where Justin Fields was. Uh, Sean Wade didn't quite say that. Um, Sean Wade basically said he just hadn't given, given it much thought yet. But I, I think it's in, like they haven't been playing football. They've been working out. They've been running around. They've been doing some walkthroughs. And I, I was glad I got the chance to ask this on Monday before the conference call wrapped up. Like We see them wearing these masks, these gator, neck gaiters they pull up over their face, or we see these teams that have these extended face shields that come down over their, over their face mask and cover their entire face. I played football. I haven't played it at this level, but the idea of having to do that and playing football sounds awful. And I asked Justin Fields about that, or Justin Hilliard about that, and he said, yeah, it sucks. And he said he doesn't know how they're going to be able to play football doing that. He said they'll do it if they have to, but like these are the things that they get on the field for camp, they put helmets on, they start running around, and actually playing football, and they realize how awful it is. Like that could be motivation for someone to decide they don't want to play. The idea of playing ten games with a mask on your face. Um, again, I'm not I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just like laying out scenarios that could lead to it. And there's still a lot of things at play here. Like this is great. We have a schedule. I'm super happy we do. It was really fun to to write the story that I wrote and kind of dig into what the schedule means. But like we're not home free here, at all. And I think Kevin Warren and Jean Smith made a good point of of hammering that home on Wednesday.
0: I've been lifting weights the last few weeks because I'm strong now, and I've been lifting weights with a mask on, and it is terrible. I cannot imagine what it would be like to like run full speed or try to catch a football or hit somebody. It's like hard to breathe, you know. And we have to do what we have to do in order to be prudent and protect our safety and the safety of others, but. You're right. You know, I don't know how this is going to all play out. And home free um, isn't something that I think anybody should be thinking about. The commissioner of the Big Ten went on the Big Ten network after the schedule was announced on uh, Wednesday and said, there's no guarantee there's going to be any football. And he's the one that's, you know, kind of leading the way with the schedule change. So, you know, I don't know. I I have a very strong opinion about, like, you know, what people should do, but it's not my opinion to share, right? Like, it's their life. Um, But the most ironic thing about Justin Fields is that he is the perfect example of somebody who like would make the most sense to do it. Whether or not he does it, you know, I find admirable. I, I think it's always important to listen to what people say when they're asked questions about things like opting out and, you know, being real and and pointed about the financial implications of this, I thought was a good sign that he was speaking from the heart and that speaking from, you know, experience of the discussion, which, you know, I didn't know he said until I heard it. Um so that makes me believe that he intends to play right now, but there's only a handful of players in college football that could shut it down right now, and be the number one or number two or number three at the worst pick, and two of those are quarterbacks who have played in the playoff already. Justin Fields and you know Trevor Lawrence even has a national championship. So like to me, if those guys shut it down, like it would make sense. But your your takeaways, and I, and I think I agree with you, is that you know Justin Fields has a reason to play as long as there's a championship out there for him. Um, and I think you still believe that?
2: Yeah, I, I don't have any reason to not believe it. I, I mean, I, I, if I'm optimistic that they're going to be able to do this, and, and I am, um, I think the end game is is a Big Ten champion getting crowned and, and the playoff will try to figure it out. It's a harder thing to do when there's no non-conference games and, and, and it's just an important piece of data that's missing from the conversation. But they'll... If it's safe to play, they're going to pick four teams and play a playoff. So, um, yeah, I think it's still out there. I think Justin Fields and, and everyone on Ohio State's roster has has a reason to believe that they still have the opportunity to play for a national championship. That's why they're doing it. Do you think he should? Oh, I don't. That's not my place to say that. I don't. I, I hate that. Like, it's not. I I don't. I'm not in his head. I don't know. I don't play the game. I like it. I like watching it. I don't play the game. Um, it's I don't. I don't feel comfortable saying whether or not I think he should. I'm happy to listen to his thoughts and feelings on it, and I was happy that he shared them, and I take them into account. Um, but I'm not going to say you're right or wrong in deciding to play.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's a matter of right or wrong, but I, I think that we could put ourselves in that position based on what we know about the game. And, you know, if I were in that position, I don't think I would play.
2: I think, I think it's a fair thing to say. I don't know if I agree totally that you can put yourself in that position and say what you think you would do, but it's like, you know – It's a hypothetical, and hypotheticals are fun and fine most of the time. In this particular case, I'm not so sure they are. Um, So I don't know. I don't don't really want to offer an opinion on whether or not I think he should or should not play, or anyone should or should not play. I think it's understandable if they do, and it's understandable if they don't.
0: Well, there's one undeniable fact, and, you know, when we're talking about the Ohio State roster, whether or not somebody should or shouldn't is not the point. The point is, is that Ohio State has a hell of a lot of players on it that might have to make a decision. And of all the teams in college football that could be impacted by people sitting out, this is a huge Ohio State issue because they might have more than anybody in the in the entire country, maybe outside of Alabama and Clemson, who are having players that have to consider this. And the more players that you have considering it, the more likelihood you have of people deciding to do it. And like their most yep. important player, and the reason why I think they're going undefeated is one of them. And I think it was a good, you know, opportunity to have him have to answer that question. I am sure he knew that question was coming before he hopped on that call, and the answer to that question should make Ohio State fans feel good. But, like, how many players on Ohio State's team could reasonably sit out 10? Like, Bruce Feldman did this um, survey story. Did you read that a few weeks ago? Mm -hmm. Um, Where he surveyed people, and then I listened to about whether or not – or he surveyed coaches about whether they fear kids sitting out or not. And he said on the podcast he did with Stuart Mandel after that story that most colleges – he surveyed, think that they would have one or zero people making that decision and that there was only two or three programs that would have eight or more having to make that decision. And Ohio State had to have been one of the three teams that had eight or more players making that decision.
2: Yeah, I would think so. You just look at the guys who had the opportunity to be a first, second, or third round draft pick on the roster this year, and you get to that number pretty quickly. Fields, Wade, Davis, Myers, Olave, um, Trey Sermon, uh, even though he's new. There are a lot. I mean, yeah, you can you can get that number pretty quickly. I, I have thought all along that th- those numbers have been overblown a bit. because, And I've said this before about the idea of, like, you you can decide, like, I'm just getting ready for the draft. But, like, that shit's expensive. And the, the agents aren't going to float the bill for everybody. They'll float the bill for the top players because it's what they always do, but they're not going to float the bill for everybody. And I think that gets taken into account, too. Are you better off doing that and f- funding it yourself or – Staying at your facility and training that way. And I guess that comes with playing a season. But I, I just, I don't think it's like everyone who's good's not going to play. And like, case in point, like Jamar Chase at LSU, who's the best receiver in the country, said he's playing this year. So, at least for now. And Justin Fields says he's playing this year for now. So, I, it's certainly on the table. I just, I don't think, unless something changes or teams get in the camp and start encountering a lot of problems, I don't think we're going to see a mass exodus in the way it's been projected to this point.
0: Because I think people just like playing. (laughs) I think sometimes it could just be that simple. Like the idea of playing the game is fun and exciting and as long as there is a route to a potential conference championship and then of course the Big Ten on uh, Tuesday like um, also put out a slot for the Big Ten championship game, you know, the idea of more is there and um as long as there's more, I think they should play. I think the second they start seeing that there might not be a chance to win a Heisman or play for a Big Ten championship or go to the playoff, I think that changes everything. Mm-hmm. So as long as there's a chance to play for something, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah,
2: and they have that now. And that, like, uh, I mean, that was that was a heavy 15 minutes. I guess maybe people don't like that, but it's like the reality situation. Like, we don't want to have fun. We don't want to ignore the reality situation. But maybe we can pivot to this before we wrap it up here a little bit. And we don't think it's super super specific because, in theory, we have a few weeks of this. But, like, they're opening camp tomorrow. <laughs> we're recording this on Wednesday, and Ohio State's opening camp on Thursday. And I, I guess we thought that they might open on Friday. But, like, now it's here. And I don't know what availability is going to look like or, like, what we're going to be able to see. We've been told we'll still get to talk to guys um, sort of at the normal cadence. It'll be different. Like, it'll be over Zoom and not in person. I highly doubt they're gonna let us go watch any portion of practice, even if we're a hundred feet away from everybody else. But Ohio State opens camp on Thursday. Let's suspend disbelief for a minute and just pretend like it's a normal camp and the season's gonna happen as we think. Like what's at the top of your mind as Ohio State opens camp of stuff you're interested in?
0: What the defense looks like? Yeah. I mean, that was you wrote a whole story about this, right? Like yeah. You no. Know, what was your number one question? So I don't steal it. You wrote an entire thing. Your number one question had to do with Kerry Combs and the alignment of the defense in the secondary. What he's going to, <clears throat> what he's going to add to the defense? Not so much personnel, but what the,
2: what the yeah, what the alignment's going to look like. What the, what the tweaks are. What the the, Kerry Combs has this massive book of defense that he got in two years with the Tennessee Titans. What's he going to pull out of that and implement at Ohio State? Because last year. They were pretty basic. They were really good, but they were pretty basic. They didn't do a whole lot of changeups. They were cover 3, cover 1, basically single high safety the entire time. They didn't blitz a ton because they had Chase Young. And maybe they'll end up in a similar reality, not totally similar, but in a place where you don't feel like they have to blitz a lot, but what if if they don't like what what are they pulling out of the bag to enhance Ohio State's defense this year?
0: I got to be completely honest with you, Bill. When you started asking me like, "What do you thinking of camp like my brain wasn't even programmed to respond to that. No, neither it's was mine. It's been so long <clears throat> yeah. to even like like to even think about that sort of thing and it's a fun question. And obviously we all know what uh is waiting for Ohio State in terms of personnel replacement and, and alignments on this, and in on the defense. And I think we both have said on this podcast multiple times that Ohio State's offense uh, we expect that offense to be the number one offense in the country. Um, but just the idea of like talking about defensive schemes and you know, what Kerry Combs can bring from the NFL experience and you know, stepping into his first year as a coordinator at the college level and all those things, it's just such a relief to actually discuss those things. But unfortunately I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah.
2: No, I hadn't I hadn't really framed my mind for it. Even though I knew that there was possibility the camp was gonna start on Friday, I still hadn't really framed my mind for it. Now like it's kind of time to do that. They're gonna be practicing on, on Thursday. Um And there'll be some stuff like I'll I'll start writing some camp stuff like players to watch and big questions and how guys are developing. It's going to be very interesting to cover a camp like this because we all know college football tends to be super secretive anyway. Now they have even more reason like to not let us in at all, which like it's not fine, but like I get it and whatever. It's part of the job, but. The idea that we might really not have any idea whatsoever of what they're going to look like and who's playing where until they get on the field against Illinois on September 3rd, and that's kind of strange.
0: Because we have to explain, and I'm sure the most uh, seasoned Ohio State fans know this, but we were able to go watch, you know, five or six practices, which gave us, and especially people like Bill, who have got a height advantage um, (laughs) and loves writing things down in a notebook – the ability to take notes, who's repping at what point, and just regular drills. What alignments are they in? Which players are riding the bike because of injuries on the sideline? You know, like you see a lot of things in those 30-minute, 40-minute windows that we had that we're not going to get to see probably this year. So you can ask a bunch of questions, but it's just up to them to tell you what they want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and if somebody gets injured, we're not going to even know about it. Like I remember um, when Braxton Miller got hurt um, before the – 2014 season we were there to weren't we there to like do something an interview or something and then they canceled it like while we were there yeah. like you know you learn and find out things just by the ability of being around the building and how many times have we seen somebody walking off the field with an injury shirt or you know whatever Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how much detail we can glean about Ohio State um, as they go through this I don't think it'll be a lot but also shit, man, we're, like, three weeks away or a month away from the season. Like, we could go another month without knowing anything. Like, how much fun? It would be kind of fun if we all got to, like, sit down and collectively watch the game as a family and nobody knows shit about it. Like, I think that that's, like, going to be kind of entertaining. Yeah. And, like, if they can, like, make it through fall camp, which everybody's hoping they do, everybody, just for the sake of the health of the players and the staff. This is going to be a really fun season. So, like, let's just say some prayers. And if you're not in that thing, think positively, because like, I'm really, really hoping that on Thursday, September third, I have something to watch.
2: Yeah, me too. And uh, Lord knows that uh, uh, sports writers are are perfectly capable of speculating and offering opinions on things they don't know anything about. So we'll be able to do that for the next month, even if they don't. That's my us. specialty. Yeah. <laughs> even if they don't let us watch anything, but I I I, I hope it's possible to gain. Some insight, I just – I don't have any um, real hope that, that that's going to be the case uh, or, or realistic thought that that's going to be the case. It's like Sean Wade was asked on Monday, like, Sean, who's looking good in the secondary? And Sean's like, everybody. <laughs>
0: it's like, okay, yeah. that's
2: going to be the answer from every single to person everything. we talk to. Everyone looks awesome.
0: Yeah, well, maybe they do at Ohio State. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're probably right more often than you're not, but it's just like – uh yeah, we got four quarterbacks who could start tomorrow. I was like, do you
0: really? You got three, maybe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who's your running back rotation? Everyone. Oh, Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Josh Myers is like, we got four guys that could start a guard or a tackle. I was like, do you? <laughs> I, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find yeah. out on September 3rd when you guys get out there. Yeah. I don't doubt you, but it'd be nice to see it with my own two eyes. But uh.
0: Yeah. I mean, that'd be a pretty insane depth. <laughs> I mean. No, it's just, I think that the problem with that is that players just don't want to single anybody out and forget anyone. Yeah. They don't want to be, like, responsible for saying anything. I think it should be, you know, if this turns into a Zoom um, training camp, I think this should be an opportunity, or hopefully coaches will take the opportunity to be a little bit more candid about things, you know, and to have real discussions and really dissect stuff that people want to know about. Because if they want to get on the call and, Like, I can't imagine what it would be like covering Michigan right now. Like, Mm. maybe it's the same as it is when you're in person, but, like, trying to, like, get any information that you can on a Zoom call with Jim Harbaugh sounds like my uh, personal version of hell. But, like, (laughs) I just don't know, you know, hopefully. You know, and Ryan Day and the staff, I think, has been pretty good about being candid. But, like, you know, getting out information that isn't harmful to the program but also is important for fans who support and you know want to be a part of this to understand what's going on here and you know hopefully they'll they'll make that distinction
2: i was happy we've we've done conference calls only to this point but according to to the goat jerry m Ohio high state sports information director uh that will transition to zoom they have it set up now to be zoom calls and it's very different when you can see the person even if it's virtually like even our podcasts i feel like have been not, i don't know if they've been better but they felt better because i can see your face
0: it's nice do you think it's just like a personal thing with you, like he's missing me? Maybe, you maybe know. that's it. But that's the no, plan it is. It's definitely stuff. more um, able to you know read up on keys, on uh, nonverbal communication, and you know how people feel, and it's actually just even more comfortable. So like that that'll be good, and you know maybe you don't have to wear pants from you know at all. Yeah. On these calls, as long as you look good from the waist up, but like anything um, you know that you can get off these calls, I think will be interesting, and, and I'm looking forward to you know seeing how they go, and you know. It's just going to be a weird season, Bill. It's going to be very Watching strange. These games on TV. I've only missed one game at Ohio State in ten years. Like I, I, I don't even know what it'll be like to watch it on TV.
2: Yeah, and I'm not like I'm not. I don't. Sometimes media members get like hung up on bullshit. Like what's the what's the lunch in the press box? Like I don't care. And I, 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 if we they say you can't travel, like we can't travel. It makes sense. I'll watch a game on TV. It's a better view anyway. Sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's going to be different. It's going to be different. You
0: anticipate traveling, Bill?
2: No. No, yeah. but are you kidding me? There's like 85 people on the Ohio State P. <laughs> no, gonna, no, I know. Well maybe, the the, well, maybe they could
0: Well, maybe they could limit it to one person per publication.
2: <clears throat> yeah, or do some kind of rotation or something. I don't would know. you be pissed if they let me go instead of you? Mm-hmm. But only, that's the only <laughs> thing that would piss me off. Only if it was you. They can send everybody else, <laughs> yeah. but if they send you and not me, I'd be pissed.
0: Yeah, yeah, rightfully so.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap up there. Anything else you want to add? Ohio State's opening camp. We'll have coverage. On The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6 gives you 40% off. We'll continue to cover everything. like We'll write about football stuff because they're getting ready to, to, to practice and play football, but obviously there's more going on too, and we'll, we'll keep you guys up to date on that. And um, Ari's doing his recruiting thing. Recruiting never stops,
0: right, Ari? Recruiting never stops, uh, if you want to read about, I, I get Ohio State stuff in there. The one I ran on Wednesday had another Ohio State angle to it. Um, maybe it's not new to Bill, but might be new to a lot of the people who are reading this for the first time. Um, about Gabe Powers and what it means to secure um, top 50 commitments two years before things get hectic in their recruitments. Um, But, yeah, a lot of stuff going on, and, you know, I I think that the last thing that I'll say is, like, let's just all try to collectively uh, think positively and hope for the best because it's just, you know, you can taste it. We're three and a half or, what is it, a month? Basically a month until Ohio State's scheduled to open, and the possibility uh, 30 days or so away from that, there's still the possibility they could play, which, if you would have asked me a month ago, would have been really great news, and, you know, believe it or not, Bill and I are really rooting against the disease, and we are the virus, and we're really hoping there's football, Um, and we're glad that you guys choose us to, you know, follow along and, and see what you guys can learn about Ohio State, and we hope that everybody has a chance to, to enjoy it this fall.
2: Yeah, I think it's good to have hope. I think it's good to have optimism. Some people might tell you otherwise. I think that's crazy. I think it's a good, good thing to have in healthy doses, and it's good to have a plan, and the Big Ten has a plan. It seems pretty well thought out, and, and we hope that it works, and we're sitting here a month from now getting ready to, to talk about Ohio State season opener against Illinois September 3rd. Um, yeah, so camp starts tomorrow, and we'll get ready to dissect all that stuff, and we'll talk to you guys next week.